Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Hello, Launch University listeners. This is David Farmer, and I am so grateful that you've decided to join us again. And I'm excited today because I am so fortunate to have a good friend and one of the highest energy people I know, <laughs> Mr. Jimmy Starnes, is in the house, and he's going to be with us today. Jimmy, welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and thank you for the kind words. I'll try to bring that energy to the podcast. I, and I'm trying to think... How did we get to know one another? But I think it was through another Launch University podcast guest, Jeff Schinnerbarger, that we got connected. Yeah. Because you guys were friends mm -hmm. uh, and you've been very involved in helping Jeff and his organization, Plywood People. But I remember being at one of Ford Fry's Steakhouse, <laughs> a Ford Fry Steakhouse, yes. Marcel, yes. in Atlanta. Yes. Uh, with my family. We had some sort of special celebration going on. And you were there with four other guys whose names all start with J. That's right. Jim, That's Jeff. Right. Joe. Joe. <laughs> and you guys had a, 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 it was a common practice for the five of you to get together yep. and go review some of the best steakhouses in Atlanta. Yep. And you don't assign stars, you assign J's. J's, that's right. Because of your initials. That's right. It's a, it is a highly secretive club that you you found us out that night. And yeah, we, uh, we've we been all over the place. We've been doing that for about probably five or six years. So the four J's, we call it the four J's strike again. So yeah, we- oh, It was four, not five. The four J's, okay, that's but right. You could get up to five J's on your stake. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Absolutely. So anyway, that, that's how I first met Jimmy at Marcel one night and then got to know him more and more because- um, our, our paths kept crossing, not only right. through Plywood, but other people that you were working with and coaching. And so I uh, have actually had Jimmy come and work with my team at Chick-fil-A on a number of occasions. And he's even working with folks uh, on the team on an individual coaching basis. In fact, what Jimmy uh, spends a good bit of his time doing, he does executive coaching. And he helps people with life plans. Absolutely. And I think it's a it's a fascinating um, just role that you play. And I want to talk a little bit about how did you end up doing that first? And then we're going to transition to, all right, so you're talking to, you, you're, you've worked with hundreds of people at this point. Right. What are the issues people face and what's some of the common counsel that you like to give? Sure. So, um, and you don't have to go there quite yet. That's yeah, where we're going. Yeah. Tell everybody just a little bit about your just personal story and then uh, your family. And then I want to go back and let's let's retrace the the journey. How did you end up doing this? What were you doing before you were doing coaching? Yeah. So thank you and great question. My my personal journey really starts back in at childhood. I was in my life surrounded by a lot of great leaders. Um, my my mom and dad and stepmom and stepdad and um, other people. I, I just I saw a lot of of great leadership uh, growing up, and the interesting thing about that is you don't realize as a kid how important that's going to be. But you you start to look at well, what do, what, what do I want to do when I grow up? And I remember um, as early as high school thinking, you know, I want to be in leadership and executive leadership so that I can add value to other people. This is a long, long time ago. And as I got through college and um, was a president of my fraternity and, and did a couple of other things, I just started to realize that leadership for me was more of a stewardship than it was a, you know, a, a, a badge of honor or mantle or something that, that I could, um, you know, 
uh, brag on. It was more of, no, I'd, I'd like to be in this position because I really do feel like I can steward this blessing, steward this leadership piece um, really, really well, and I'm designed to do it. So apart from that, I would pretend to be CEO when I was, you know, five or six years old and I would go to the library in our house and get books and I would hire my sisters and fire them and do all that kind of fun stuff. And I would run small companies in my head. It was really funny. That's hilarious. Um, and I love sports too. I wasn't just doing that, but um, I got to a point how I got into executive coaching specifically was after I graduated college, my, my initial aspirations as a leader were to run um, a small company first and then eventually run a large company and specifically Home Depot was what my, my target was. So it was a $90 billion business, you know, <laughs> Why not? E easy thing to do, right? Easy thing to do. But that was where my heart was. That was my drive. That was my determination. Uh, got into my corporate career in sales and marketing. Did that for a long time. Um, got into executive leadership later on. Uh, did deal with Home Depot at a at a global level, like just selling products. And then I'll say this: I, I loved that dream. I loved the aspiration. But two things happened. One, you start to realize how much time it takes to do something like that. In other words, the cost for me. It, chasing a dream of running Home Depot could have cost me my family. Yeah. The I was on a Delta plane most days or most weeks Monday. I'd come home Thursday. My kids were really young. Um, it was a great job. I loved it. I really appreciated the companies I worked for. But I also started to realize, man, I'm I'm not only lonely myself, but I my wife and my kids are not getting to see their dad at a very critical point in their in their lives. Yeah. And then secondly, I think for me as well, I started to realize that as much as I love the idea of selling products and, you know, making money and growing in my career and, and potentially becoming CEO of Home Depot, I cared way more about people than I did about the actual products that I was with. So give you an example of that. Um, me and a team of people would go, you know, to sell products to Home Depot and I would get on the airplane afterwards and I would care more about the individual, uh, their family, their personal life, their their marriage, their you know their aspirations and hopes and dreams in life than I would at all about how successful you know the sales trip went. And I started to realize, man, I, there's something inside me that cares. But like I would rather do that for a living, um, help people maximize their potential, have great marriages, you know, have a great career path, um, live life on purpose. I called it, you know, finish life well, then, um, you know, be a, be a CEO of a company, um, you know, selling products. And that does not surprise me because as I got to know you, it became clear right out of the gate. You're the kind of person you feel like you've known for a long time quick, uh, because you bring a lot of energy, you take a lot of interest in people. You're a huge encourager. I see Thank you. that in you all the time. Thank you. So I can see how you would totally gravitate towards relationships, seeing people grow, celebrating um, what others. Because I've noticed one thing about you: it's not just about what's in it for Jimmy. Right. You take a genuine interest in the good things that are going on in the lives of other people too, which is cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And so. It's it sort of led you into a a role where I know it's not all you do now, but you spend a lot of your time doing coaching. Right, now. right. Who was the first client? How did that come about? 
Yeah, I mean, I so first client years ago was uh, was a neighbor, a good, great friend of mine, and I uh, I kind of tested it <laughs> on him. I did a, um, a a miniature version of what we what we call a life plan, a Patterson Center life plan, um, and I just wanted to see like, how, can this work? Does this work? Is there is there traction you can get, so to speak, in this and. You have to remember too. Back in my executive days, I, I had an executive coach, and I had uh, great leaders around me and, and consultants all over the place. And I just remember thinking, and no offense to any of them, hopefully they're not listening to this; that they may not even remember it. But there was a gap in the marketplace where I thought I want to do this different than everybody else is doing it right now. I want this to be more personal. Um, I don't want to be a counselor or a therapist or anyone else. I want to be a forward thinking, you know, how do we maximize potential strategically, things like that. And I just remember putting together just a bunch of different tools to, and, and tr testing it out on a few people. And it, and it was like, oh, this is great. This could work. This has value and impact. They left the, the room. They left, you know, really, really inspired and felt, you know, different and changed, you know, a lot of things that they were doing. And at that point, that, I realized I've got something here. Now I need to go <laughs> and make sure I've got the right, you know, background in this training certifications, you know, all that fun stuff. And, and so it wasn't all you were doing. It was, you, you said you're going to test and we talk about prototyping a lot. Right. It was trying something you had an interest in while you still had something else that you were doing. Yeah. I so you didn't um, have to bet the farm. That's right. I um I had a great mentor um years ago teach me the idea of the parallel path. So the parallel path being, you know, stay stay on the stay on the corporate job, you know, pathway that you've got going on right now that's providing your your income, your insurance, you know, th that kind of stuff. And start to test out this other thing with people in your spare time, you know, Saturdays, yep. afternoons, you know, things like that. And and instead of making just a straight leap you know, do it slowly, do it strategically. And that, that was what we ended up doing to, to launch our business is, you know, it, it really did take about 10 years of ideation. Um, I was at, I was at North Point Community Church years ago, went through something called Blueprint for Life, which was a great, I remember that. Yeah. Great way to get into like, what are you passionate about? What could you be the best in the world at? You know, what does that look like? And I did that 10 years and, and wrote out what I thought, what this coaching thing looked like there. I didn't even know what life coaching, executive coaching was when I wrote all that out. And so Blueprint in a Box was kind of like a way to do your own life coach plan. That's it right. Was a kit, basically. That's right. It was a kit. And, and I still have it and I still can look back at it and see it. But that's what really sparked this, you know, this company that I have now that we launched um, in executive coaching and life planning. That Blueprint 10 years prior is what's what, what got us there. And so we just started thinking about it. That's great. You know, as I sit here, listen, the the parallel path, that's a great way to describe a, a really good strategy. And I, I'm thinking we do that with a lot of people that say, hey, I want to be a Chick-fil-A operator. But we're not sure they really know what that entails. Right. Because you don't have to have a restaurant background. We can teach you what it means to to, to be a restaurateur. You really need to be good with people. You need to be a great leader. Right. And so we'll tell people, hey – Find an existing Chick-fil-A operator, go work with them on Saturdays, and you don't have to leave your existing job. Uh, it'll it'll uh, take a lot of energy 
You know, absolutely, you'll, you'll be worn out at the end of the day. Absolutely, but if you're willing to put that kind of investment in, you'll get a good read on whether or not it really is for you. That's right. parallel pathing. Yeah, absolutely, That's a great strategy. So just encourage listeners if you're toying around with an idea, find a way to parallel path it. Absolutely, absolutely. So at some point in time, you had to decide, I like this. This makes sense. I can do this, and I'm willing to kind of make the leap. And you're all in. Yep. How'd that go down? It did. It so I had I had one last corporate job. It was a fantastic one, and I had and I was and I was coaching clients on the side. So I was in my parallel path zone, right? And I had a couple of clients say, "Listen, you either got to do this or not do it. You know, I got to have access to you as an executive coach and life planner, or you need to go back in, in corporate America." And I loved that statement because it really did challenge me to, yeah. hey. Um, I'm going to do it now. What we did in that parallel path time is, you know, we saved well, you know, just in case this thing wasn't going to work. I actually saved a year's worth of income um, just in case, just in case. Right. That's that's another good strategy. That's a hard one. But we we never the neat thing is we never had to touch it. We used it, you know, to invest in the business later. But. We never had to touch it um, because we just had we paid off debt. We we saved a year's worth of income. We again we had that ten year kind of mindset, um, paying off debt, saving money, um, going ahead and building the the initial part of the brand while you still have that other job really helped us launch. Yeah, margin reduces stress. It was outstanding. It's liberating. So that that helped me get my wife on board, who was one of my biggest fans. But when you do that, it makes it a lot easier for you know your partner or your spouse to support what you're doing as opposed to, hey, if this doesn't work, we're going to you know be living with yeah. our, our family somewhere you know, in the basement. You're not betting you, you're betting all of us. Right. Don't drag us down. Right. Yeah. And remember, I have a wife and you know two kids at this point that are counting on me, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Stakes are high. Right. That's cool. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about your coaching business. Sure. And you got a couple of different areas of focus. Describe those at a high level. Yeah. So when when I when I got into the business, I built my business specifically around um, uh, uh, one of the certifications I went through taught us this concept of just building your avatar, right? And so I did a lot of work just on. I wasn't trying to serve the marketplace as a whole, like everyone. I was really looking at a lot of. Um, people, you know, like me in a sense, um, um, people who are, you know, either in an executive position or leadership position that are looking to, um, you know, live, live lives, uh, lives of great purpose. They want to finish life well. We share common values, you know, and uh, really th- they're just looking for someone to come alongside of them and help maximize their potential, right? So you see this in uh, in the personal training world. You see this in the golf world. You see this in football. You see it in a lot of different arenas, but um, it's, it's interesting what you can accomplish on your own. It's even more interesting what you can accomplish if you've got someone that you trust pushing you. Oh yeah, that's big. Is that you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like having a running partner that's just not not necessarily faster than you, but is an encouragement to you that that can keep up with you, that can press you at certain times when you want to quit, when you want to you know do something. And so when I got into this, I built my you know avatar around that, and then I, what I got into to doing was I started to realize that once you get one or two of these clients, you really, it opens up your network to a lot of other potential clients. So I'll give you a great example of how the business launched and became really successful, but it was 
we tapped into like three or four of my friends. One of them is with plywood, Jeff Schinnebarger. Uh, then you have Jim Dudley who was in the car washing business. And then you had, um, you know, I mean, you can even use the Chick-fil-A model there. And you think about if you can go in and deliver, you know, great results to each of these individual components in the, in that world, you're now in the nonprofit space for a lot of people that need, you know, a lot of help in terms of, you know, getting going and then their personal stuff. Then you're in the uh, very specific business in car washing. Um, and there's a lot of need for coaching and, and, and encouragement and affirmation there and, and leadership development. Then you get into, if you think about the Chick-fil-A side, I mean, that's, again, that's more of my old industry, which was where you're looking at just leaders who are, they're trying to figure out their, their place in Chick-fil-A. What are they doing? Are they doing it well? Are they in the right spot? Um, and then how do they grow and develop, you know, over the years? And so th we tapped into a lot of those little industries and we never marketed one time <laughs> over all that time. We never marketed. So that is a testimonial to a principle that Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A used to instill within us. And he said, Hey, don't focus on getting bigger. He said, focus on getting better. If you get better, people will want it and bigger will happen. Sure. And I, that's kind of what I hear you saying. Yeah. I just got to make sure I'm adding value for my clients. Absolutely. The, the couple that I start with and really through word of mouth, yeah. you're going to grow organically. Yeah. And that's what you did. Yeah. And listen, those first uh, sessions, Jeff and Jim can tell you about them. But uh, I remember going and being so nervous, you know, thinking, can I do this? Will it work? Will there be value? And the neat thing is with, if you just take plywood, for example, I mean, you're, you know, six, seven years later, we're still together, which is not the norm in yeah. coaching relationships. I mean, you know this, um, me and Jim were together for, for six plus years, but you know, the, those first sessions that I, that I was able to work on with, with leaders have turned into, I mean, seven years later, the way I approach things, the way I listen, the way I, um, you know, use the tools that I have is, is very, very different than where, than way we did it the first year. Yeah. I don't, I'm going to, I'll ask you this question. Um, who needs a coach? How do you know if it's time for you to kind of step up and go get a coach? Cause you were talking about that a moment ago. Yeah. Uh, coaching can take you to another level, but how do you know when you're ready? Yeah. I would say the easiest way to do that. I, I mean, to answer the question simply, I would say everybody needs one. I, I, everyone could benefit from having a great coach. Right. Um, but the, I think, I think what really helps people when, you know, understand w it, when they need a coach is, is, is a couple easy questions, which is, have you gotten as far as you can get by yourself? You know, you can read, you can, there's a lot of different things that you can do. And remember, most people that are into coaching do have great mentors. They have great bosses. You know, they have a lot of resources at their, at their disposal. What I think helps um, leaders when they, when they really need to get to a coach level is when with all of the resources that they have around them and everything that they have at their disposal, they're stuck. Yeah. In need of breakthrough, in need of something fresh, in need of someone to come alongside. Listen, this is the easiest way to put it. Um, if you're going to have someone help you maximize potential, this is going to be someone who is going to 
not only help draw out of you what's most important to you, but also kick you in the ass to the finish line. Yeah. And that is not what a lot of bosses or mentors or books are going to do for you. And I would say, I think a coach can bring some objectivity to uh, a challenge, a situation, an opportunity that someone that's even in the business, maybe if they're a great mentor, but they're part of the business, they don't have quite the same level of objectivity. Absolutely. So you can come along and you're not emotionally attached uh, to some of the issues like the client is. Not at all. And so you're helping with a fresh perspective in that respect. Not at all. Yeah. And and that's, I think that's part of, I think that's a great point, David, because at the end of the day, my goal is, listen, I, I learned this from a great mentor at the Patterson Center years ago, but it's, we're in the hunt for truth. Yeah. And the truth can hurt sometimes. And the truth can be hidden underneath layers of callous and, you know, things like that. And when, when executives and leaders can get to the point to where the truth is what's on the table, uh, it really can help in a lot of different ways. But a lot of people really are afraid of that. And that is their breakthrough is that their fear and just years of, you know, the doing the same thing the same way for the same, you know, whatever, um, has created this pattern that, that they're stuck. And I think a great coach, I mean, part of what I do for a living is help to guide and facilitate people to breakthrough and breakthrough is not one of those things that just happens and is easy and is not painful breakthrough a lot of times can be very emotional it can be very um you know it can it can just be very very hard to deal with certain things and just like a great therapist or counselor or anybody else will help do that in certain ways as well we use tools and techniques on on our side that that really help people get to that point I love it. So in just a second, I want to transition and talk about some of the common and recurring issues that surface in your coaching issues Sure, that might help uh, our listeners. But I want to ask you uh, this question first. What makes for a good client when it comes to receiving hard feedback or challenge? Yeah. In, in other words, where do you have to be mentally, emotionally um, to 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 be able to hear a word and grow. Yep. I think it all starts with mutual trust between the two individuals. That's the biggest thing that um, I think great coaches have to create is that that it's a safe place, safe space, and that and that you can trust me that I have your best interest in mind. Yeah, I buy that. Right, and then the second thing is you really have to be. Uh, I interview my clients just as much as they'll interview me before we begin working together. You really have to have them invite you into that place. Right. Um, we've all been on the other side of the table where someone wasn't invited into that place and said something. And it, instead of the receiving it, now you've got this major wound that just took place because, you know, somebody criticized or really hurt you in an area that they were not invited to speak into. Right. And so what I try to do um, very, very quickly is create that trust, make sure that I'm invited into the space. And then is where I'll start to, and, and listen, everybody's different. So where some people will want me to press in quicker, others take 
multiple sessions in time. Got to warm up a little. Got to warm up. Yeah. But the reality is, uh, and there are tears, you know, in coaching sessions a lot of times because there are real things happening. But, you know, those are tears of growth and movement and love and encouragement. Um, because there's not one person I have ever worked with or will ever work with that I don't believe in. Yeah. I absolutely make sure that that is something that I can get behind, that I can get behind them personally before anything ever happens. Heard this expression, don't know who to attribute it to, but when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Sure. And so you're trying to make sure someone is ready to receive. And I hear you say trust is foundational to that. Absolutely. That's good. Absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's shift gears. Let's talk about some of the things that just pop up. So, you know, you get all these listeners out there. What are some of the issues they're likely to be wrestling with that coaching can help with? And, and some maybe real practical things that you often tell your clients. Yeah. So the fun, some of the funniest ones I think are this is I think we just live in this world that's so it's exciting and it's, you know, we're, we're having a ball, all of us are, but it's so fast and there's so much data and there's so much information. What I run into mostly nowadays is, is a few things. Um, you've got the people pleaser leader, you know, out there that really is, they're listening to everything they can and it, and it, it turns them into this paralyzing leader because they're, they can't say yes, they can't say no, they, you know, they say yes to everything and then everything's important, which means nothing's important, right? So one of the things I deal with and, and, and a lot of leaders is, is helping them understand the value of not just prioritization, but, but, but prioritization in a way that hurts, Meaning we put everything on the board. So in coaching, I, I love the idea of the visuals because we yeah. need to be able to see it. If it's in your head, it's really hard to deal with. We've got to be able to identify what we're dealing with first. But I love doing prioritization exercises with folks so that I can show them very clearly that this over here is more important than this over here. But, and the interesting thing about that is most times people will choose the less painful decision even though it's the wrong decision. So teaching people to prioritize, teaching people that you're saying that this is important, but yet you're making decisions for this, this other thing that's not as important. And that's crazy, right? That's, that's one. Um, I love the book essentialism. Um, we, we, me and my wife and, and kids have a core value that we added to our core values years ago, but it's the idea of the hell yes over yeah. the no. Yeah. If, if it's not, I guess you're saying if it's not a hell yes, it's got to <laughs> be a, a no. no. Yeah. Right. And that, that, that's a, that's a two year old's birthday party. And that's, you know, going to dinner with the farmers, you know? So yeah. it, it's a very easy way to look at, you know, you, you, I think you wrote a blog on this, you know, years ago, which impacted me very, very, you know, um, and it was a big impact for me, but it was the, you're ridiculously in control. Yeah, which I, honestly, we I stole from Henry Cloud. Yeah, but I mean, and we all we half my stuff's probably coming Henry too. We need to we need to get him on here. But you know, it, it's it's a true statement, and it's we do controllability exercises all the time in executive coaching and life planning, and the reason we do them is so that as human beings and leaders, we know we either have full control of something, yeah. partial control of something, or no control of something. Yeah, and if we spend our lives 
focusing in on the things that we have no control over, we're not going to have a very successful life. The partial ones are okay. I mean, you have a little bit of influence. And then there's the, do I wake up in the morning and run, you know, three miles for my personal health and my sanity? You have full control over that. You can get up earlier. Yes. You know, so. um, We sometimes talk about people that know how to, they have agency. And they know how to manage that, which right. may be sort of a fancy way of saying just that. They recognize, hey, I'm in charge of me. Right. I need to act like I'm in charge of me. Right. Absolutely. And make good decisions. Absolutely. Um, so, you, you know, you asked about the common thing. So so the hell yes over the no is another one. I would say, um, you know, what's interesting with a lot of different leaders is I'd, I have found a lot have not sat down and and written out. I'm, I'm a big, big believer in just writing out personal vision statements, meaning I think the more we can tap into healthy journaling and just getting what's inside of us out, you know, what yeah. you really want in life. Um, I'll, I'll help people to start wherever they can. So if it's, if it's 30 days out, that's a great start. If, if they can go six months, that's great. If they can go 10 years or 30 years, that's fantastic. But you've got to be able to tap into a lot of the stuff that's going on inside you that um, can be buried and hidden. Um, I don't know if I stole this from someone or came up with it on my own, but I call it kind of like that that vision constipation Mm. where a lot of us just – we just we we're riding a wave through life and wherever people will push us to that's where we'll get to as opposed to kind of beginning with the end in mind and determining where we want to end up what i find with a lot of leaders is it's not that they're not doing good things or you know neat things in life but it's that they're they're frustrated because their vision constipated because someone hurt them years ago or someone told them they couldn't do something or uh, uh, let's use Chick-fil-A or someone said, hey, um, you know, they went to try to be a, a, an owner operator of a store and and they didn't get it. And then they just decided to quit after that. Their vision only went to that. And if they're not going to get that, then they don't go forward. So, you know, there's a lot of emotion tied to that. But what I try to do for a lot of leaders is help them get unstuck, un, unconstipated with that vision so that they can start working towards, you know, that. Talk a little bit about uh, the healthy rhythm that you see in people that are in a coaching relationship. In other words, um, self-assessment, review, um, revisiting vision, yeah. whatever the, some of those things might be. What are some of the yeah. disciplines or rhythms that we should all kind of have in our lives? Well, one thing I'll say about healthy, when you talk just about a- anyone who is working with me um, in that in that capacity has, one, opened themselves up for um, – for assessment, right? They're sharing the the things that are, I mean, the biggest things, their gaps in life, their blind spots in life. They're, they're saying, hey, I'd like to get better. I mean, and that's a huge first step for any of us is just to say, hey, I want to get better. I'm, I'm okay to, to share anything and, and put it all on the table for the sake of getting better. What I like about the the question you just asked on the healthy rhythm side, because I believe that's the key to a really a successful life is is determining what one your are the most important things to you, and then in that, what are the healthy rhythms that you create around that, right? So, in saying that. W- one of my favorite things to help people with is is what we call the replenishment cycle. And me and you have done this before, and this is where 
and a, from a healthy rhythm perspective, you look at the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, and the spiritual piece. I mean, that's what really makes up a human being, right? Um, the In the Patterson Center, we call it the pies, just as an easy way to remember it. So the pies. And then what we do after that is we build what we would call the the replenishment cycle or the healthy rhythm operating cycle. And what that is, is it's it's the concept of not a survival mode practice, but a thrive practice. Meaning that before life hits you right in the face or before your boss calls you at, you know, 8.15 in the morning, that you've decided that your time is your time and that you're going to invest it and use it wisely to the best of your ability to create healthy rhythms. So that could be, that could be waking up, you know, two hours early and, you know, meditating or praying that could be uh, reading in the morning that can be just solitude, you know, coffee and, you know, whatever. Um, It could be swimming, running. There's all these things that can happen. And, and, and that's where the healthy rhythm starts is when you take the day and own the day with with that full control perspective. I totally believe in that. Right. And honestly, I always sort of cast myself as a night person, not a morning person. But in the evenings, there are everybody's up and at them, and there are too many potential distractions that you would have never seen come. Right. Just sort of disrupt the plan. Right. And back to the you're ridiculously in charge. It's a lot easier to be ridiculously in charge of my mornings than my evenings. Absolutely. So I totally buy what you're saying. Absolutely. There. But I think health I think your your the point you're making is great. And I think healthy rhythms start in the morning. Yeah. When I see people do them successfully. So I have, you know, I like to customize everything for everybody, but what I find is those who customize the healthy rhythms starting in the morning have great success of carrying them out throughout the day. Yeah. Those who start them, you know, after lunch typically are on a roller coaster ride and they've lost control. Yeah. You know, they've lost control of the day and the eating, this the all the 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 running, the swimming, all those things have I'll I'll just do it tomorrow instead of nope, already done. Yep. You post some victories and get some momentum. That's right. And it it helps. It just carries forward. Yeah. All right. So I got a couple more questions sure. as, we, as we sort of wrap up. Um the one would be I you're doing this a lot. You know, you're working with uh, literally a couple hundred people over the course of a month. How do you get your um, wagon replenished? You know, yeah. What keeps you sharp? Um, so, what's it like to be Jimmy Star? Yeah, you got to stay on top of your game. Yeah. So um, that's a great question. So I I build my life and my schedule around a healthy rhythm. So I have got um, a great team member, uh, Aaron, that that does on the work side that takes care of all the stuff in my my job that I am not good at. So that takes all that off my plate, which is great. And we all have that. Right. And so the neat thing is we build the schedule around the replenishment cycle and the healthy rhythms first. So my schedule is mine. The neat thing about owning your own business is it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not a boss that tells me what, what I'm doing and what I'm not. So me and Aaron um, and my and my wife Mandy, um, every year before the year starts, we put all of the all of the workouts, all the the times blocks, we put about five to six weeks of vacation. We put all the cool stuff, the big all the hell yeses on the calendar before any clients enter the scene. 
Love that. Protect that calendar like crazy. Um, even down to the point where we take Sabbaths on Sundays and, uh, and that's all blocked, right? So the neat thing for me is it just takes the pressure off that I don't have time. Yeah. We've just protected all the time. And then we go back and seasonally fill it. So like, I'll give you an example. Recently, we're in the summer months right now. So at our pool in our neighborhood, nobody's there at eight, nine in the morning. So me and my wife go up there and swim and we have the pool all to ourselves from eight to nine or, or whatever. And we start the day, we have our books, we'll take our Bibles sometimes, we have some music and it's like a, we have our own pool for, for an hour. And that gets me going. I don't like to start the day coaching. I like to get ready for clients around 10 o'clock. Yeah. Right. So we do that. Um, I mean, for me personally, I, I do like to run. I love to play golf. Um, this is kind of a funny one, but I like to watch really inspiring um, t- uh, shows um, with a glass of wine and an Epsom salt bath. So that's another <laughs> that's another thing that I do. Um, but I'll say this in my and what and what I do for a living. It's so important to deal with not just the physical part of my body, but how, how am I dealing with my emotions? What am I doing to feed the brain? Uh, Audible is great for, for people like me that are in the car a lot. I can listen to books. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you think about it, um, journaling is something that's extremely important to me. So my healthy rhythms really, um, again, they're the priority of the day, not the afterthought of the day. Okay. I love that. That's an important principle right there. Uh, put those big rocks in first. That's right. All right. That's all right. So let's, I want to wrap up with this question. Uh, it's kind of a two part. Got a lot of people out there that are going, I could really benefit um, from what Jimmy's talking about. Yeah. So some may say, Hey, I want to connect with Jimmy. So how do you connect with Jimmy? How do you, what's the best way that people can track you or reach out to you? But what would you tell somebody that might need to get into a coaching relationship? How do they find somebody? What's the right next step for them to take? Yeah. So um, to get in touch with me is real easy. They can just go to the website or email us directly, but the website is just jimmystarns.com. So it's J-I-M-M-Y-S-T-A-R-N-E-S.com. And they can hit contact us on that page and it'll go to, to Aaron. So can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you, um, work with clients outside of the Atlanta area. Oh yeah. So you just kind of, yep. A lot of video, um, everyone from, uh, Seattle. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, Chicago, yeah, Birmingham, but okay, we just cool. do video. Absolutely. Cool. Yep. Um, so yeah, then go to the website and then, um, what was the second part the of your question? The second part is if somebody says, Hey, I, I want to get in a coaching relationship. What's a good next step for them to take? Yeah. Gotta find somebody. Yeah. We set up calls. So we, obviously we, I want them to get to know me, trust me, if they're going to work with me. But I mean, I I will give people a lot of recommendations as well if I feel like they need someone different or somebody else or, you know, if they're looking for, um, you know, uh, like I've got great friends, you know, that are females. Um, some some females prefer to work with, you know, females and not, not males. So um, I... What we try to do is make sure we get what are their, you know, deliverables or their needs first. And then we try to customize that towards, you know, what they would want 
you know, want the most. So, so imagine we, somebody wants a different coach. What would you tell them to look for in that coach? Yeah, it really all depends on what they're looking for. Matter of fact, this just happened the other day. It was a, a mutual friend had sent, sent me somebody and we realized, Hey, what they need is really more somebody else's strong suit. And this was not something that I do really, really well. And so I think from the the client side. So if you're the person looking for a coach, I think what I would I would ask is why are you looking for a coach? Um, you know, what frequency are you looking to work with, and then what kind of budget um, you know do you have in, in order to do that? Right. So because when people come to me and 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 say you know and want to do a lot of things, um, sometimes a life plan is not the best thing for them. You know, sometimes it's just monthly executive coaching or every other month or you know something like that. Whereas sometimes people are in the middle of a turning point in their life or a job decision or you know whatever in a life plan you know would work better. But the neat thing about what we do at our organization is everything is listen first try to figure out what the best you know out or you know plan could be and then we're going to try to deliver those we just call them deliverables right so um but we've got to do a lot of listening and usually those intro calls that i do they're they're no charge and they'll last 30 minutes to an hour yeah and i can help people kind of think through what that would look like yeah well i want to thank you for the way you've spoken into my life uh, my team at Chick-fil-A uh, and, and whole, but also how you're working with even members of my team. And as I listen, you, you referenced that you enjoy golf. I, I like golf too. Uh, I would love to be a really good golfer. I'm not. I'm an okay golfer. But I have a golf coach yeah. that I will go see. Yeah. And what's so interesting, I can't tell what I'm not doing right on my own, right. even if I video myself sometimes or look in a mirror or have somebody watch. But I'll go to him and he can watch me swing about three times yep. and that's all he needs because yep. he has such a good eye. He has subject matter expertise. And again, he's sort of objective. Right. And so as I'm listening to you, I'm going, you know, we need that in areas of our life that are arguably a lot more important than golf. We need somebody who has real expertise. Um, they know how to share it. They know how to catch it. And they're objective. And to your point, we need to just we need to have a, a come with a heart where we're ready to listen and receive. So I would just encourage listeners, if you're out there and you need that, reach out to Jimmy or find somebody in your area that you feel like you can trust that's gonna listen, gonna understand, and gonna be genuinely motivated to help you. Let's get to the next level. Absolutely, I think it's a healthy practice. Well, Jimmy, thanks for being yeah. with us. Thanks honored for having me, my friend. Thanks for having me. And uh, for those of you that are listening, we're always honored that you would take the time to spend with us. Invite you to just encourage someone else to listen in. And if you have thoughts on topics or guests, some of we've gotten great ideas on guests from uh, some of you. You have relationships, and you can sort of connect us up. We welcome that. Uh, but again, we're just honored that you were with us today. Encourage you to think about a coach. Who's doing that in your life? Uh, but go forth, conquer, uh, and just launch something new in your life that's going to energize you. I challenge you over the next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Launch University podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.